Our enemies are innovative and resourceful, and so are we. They never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people, and neither do we. Whether long-range weapon or suicide bomb, a wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether you're solar wave sun or BBC One, this information is a weapon of mass destruction. You could a Caucasian or a poor Asian. Racism is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether inflation or globalization, fear is a weapon of mass destruction. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Welcome all to Mission Accomplishers. Welcome all. Mission Accomplishers, Saturdays at 7 p.m. on AM 950, hosted by the fellas, Hunter Hawes and Eric Nelson. And Eric, it is kind of the unofficial official start to summer. It's Memorial Day weekend. Sure, yeah. And today's one of the few days so far we've had this spring that feels like it is going to be summer. Yes. Um, I know the past few weeks have not been pleasant. Uh, they, this drags on longer and longer each year, it seems. Mm-hmm. But uh, At least we weren't having snowstorms up until the end. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I drove by Buck Hill just today. There's yeah. still quite a bit of snow on oh, the crazy. hill. Yeah, I think it's the latest I've ever seen it. And I don't know if it's because they blow more snow wow. every year or huh. if this has just been a specific – like colder than average year yeah the the other odd thing too is uh so it's memorial day weekend currently but then we have a full week of may after this it goes until friday the 31st is on uh this friday so you have a actual full work week after memorial day which is that's just strange that's like the longest it can hmm. be it seems i guess i don't normally pay attention to when memorial day is well, it's just uh, usually uh, when it's over, you're in June. But no, mm-hmm. we're going to have a, another week of May, which it's just it's an unusual occurrence. I noticed it. I'm like, hey, what gives? Yeah. I guess maybe I could. That's, you know, the end of the school year, basically. Yeah. Labor Day is the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kids are getting out of school. Good for them. I hated school. Yeah. Get ready for the back to school ads. Yeah. That drove me crazy yeah. when I was a kid. Oh, I know. In like uh, at the end of June, they start popping up. No, actually, I remember. I remember getting a haircut on the last day of school, and in the uh, I think it was cost cutters or something. Yeah, they had an ad for make sure you have your back to school hair ready. That's so it, wrong. That is just unfair. Yeah, have you ever got a haircut while you're crying? Um, I cry. At every haircut I get, yeah, and that's hurts. why I don't get haircuts. Exactly. That is what I say, and people think I'm ridiculous, but I hate haircuts. That's why I have long hair. Check us out on the stream. Actually, you can't because this airs at a different date, so uh, just dig up some video of me, and you'll mm-hmm. see I don't get haircuts. Yeah. I'm bald, but that's just a style choice. Yeah. I have normally flowing locks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the choosing to be bald, to look like Bezos. Yeah, to try to look like my... Favorite action stars in Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Back to that, huh? Well, yeah. I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, like, who are the cool bald guys? And I was running through it in my head, and they're all people in Fast and the Furious. And I was thinking, <laughs> maybe that's why I like it so much. You know, I don't really relate. True. I don't relate to a lot of these like representation, like uh, Crazy Rich Asians or yeah. Black Panther. But 
Yeah, sign I mean, me up for a movie with all bald guys. That's so the George Costanza school of thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would 100% be a diehard Fast and the Furious fan just because of that. Good point. But um, Representation Memor- matters. Memorial Day, um, it's a bit confusing because we have here in America Memorial Day and Veterans Day. And they're both federally recognized holidays. Um, but... Do you know the difference, Eric? Um, I thought the Memorial Day was for people who have are no longer with us who have died. Yes, and that's where the memorial comes from. Uh, it actually began as Decoration Day uh, in 1868. Okay, this was right after the Civil War, and um, that was one confusion I had. I didn't know if it was the day that uh, followed Armistice Day. Mm-hmm. That so then. Veterans Day is the one that aligns with Armistice Day okay. as the 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month, so in November. Uh, and then that was changed in the 50s to Veterans Day, uh, which honors now all veterans, uh, dead or alive. Yeah, so, I suppose after World War II, they're like, mm-hmm, well, World was, War I was big, but so was that other one. Precisely. So they expanded it, and uh, Veterans Day is to honor all veterans uh memorial day just those deceased and they have uh uh for memorial day meaning a day of honor some recommendations send a note of thanks to veterans you know if you know someone who has lost a loved one in battle offer to help them with a household project or help meet a special need they have visit a local cemetery and place flags or flowers on the graves of fallen soldiers fly past the american flag Half staff until noon. Participate in the fly national the American flag monument. Did I say something different? You said fly past. Oh, I was like, you're right. Is this I just did. for people with airplanes? <laughs> uh, fly the American flag Low at half staff until noon. <laughs> Already screwing this up. Participate in the national monument or no national moment of remembrance at 3 p.m. Pause and think upon the meaning of Memorial Day. And pray for God's blessing on America. Ask for God's protection over all branches of our military. So those are some suggestions. Um, I actually, now that I am thinking about this, I'm going to go visit my grandpa's grave on Memorial Day because he's buried in Fort Snelling. And he's got a uh, kind of a unique grave site there because if you look at his uh Born and died – like uh, you look at the year he was born sure, and you see that he served in World War II. You quickly realize he was way underage when he went to war. So that's how he got on- honorably discharged. Really? Was, yeah. He just signed up. They took him and he went over there for like a year and then when they found out that he was only 15, 16, they wow. sent him back to America. But uh, yeah, that was – it's so apparent on the gravesite because you just look at it and go, well, even if this was late 1945, you're still well under 18 years old. But I – he, my grandpa died uh, two years ago on Christmas, so I'll okay. stop by and do that. It was cool, his funeral at Fort Snelling um, because my grandma's 100 percent Irish, so uh, they flew an American flag and then the – uh, Danny Boy, Ireland flag, which they said was very rare for them to do, but they did it because how Irish she is. 
You know what's interesting to me when I'm in Fort Snelling because I have some relatives buried there too mm-hmm. is going by all the graves, seeing different the, uh, markers for which religion they are. Yeah, that is because most of them are you know traditional mm-hmm. crosses, maybe a handful of stars of David and you know star and crescents, mm-hmm. and then occasionally you'll get a strange one like a flame or something uh, yeah. or Zoroastrianism and. Yeah, I can't recall any of them other than those three, but I also wasn't on the lookout for them. Yeah, uh, next time you're there, check it out because I think I found one that was related to Odinism when I looked it up. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm gonna try and go there on Monday, so uh, I'll take some pictures. I'll post it on our Mission Accomplishers Twitter, which you all should follow at M Accomplishers on Twitter. We're building that following. So much good stuff. So much good stuff. I just don't true? want you guys to miss out. So follow at M Accomplishers on Twitter. All the best retweets. Mm, hot, hot takes left and right. Uh, so what are you doing? Uh, we're recording this early. Just uh, Friday. Yeah. Normally record an hour twenty before seconds it. before yeah. it needs to be done. <laughs> yes, we literally do do that. Uh, but Eric's going out of town, so. Uh, what are you doing exactly? Yeah, I'm headed up north uh, to work on a cabin that my family's been building for the past couple years. Awesome. Uh, yeah, it's around Orr, Minnesota, which if you're not familiar with that and very few people are, mm-hmm. is up near the Boundary Waters, kind of past Ely. And uh, how many hours away is it? If I'm driving the speed limit, it's like five and a half. So wow, I can usually make it there in like five Wow, that that that's that is a full trip. Uh, are you going to be driving, or are you riding with someone? I'm driving whole way, baby. Are you going to be by yourself? When I'm driving, yeah. Mm. What are you planning to do to pass the time? While I'm driving, yeah, uh, you, you can still listen to things. Yeah, and I listen to a lot of podcasts, or I've been listening to some books on tape. But you don't have anything planned out. You're just going to wing it on the road. Yeah, I have a. Uh, an audiobook for The Road by Cormac McCarthy oh, see, that I'll yeah. probably read yeah, that, or listen to. See, that's a good move. A uh, five-hour trip like that, get a book out of the way. Mm-hmm. Especially because I sometimes have tried to use audiobooks when I'm driving. Mm-hmm. And if it's not a long trip, then it just doesn't yeah. feel worth it. Yeah, and then uh, it sometimes can get hard stopping it and then get lost where you're at. So I understand that. And uh, yeah, it's much better when you can engage in a book especially because uh, – Close your eyes and zone off and be in that universe. (laughs) Uh, um, I'm going to be staying in a hotel room uh, Saturday as this airs. Quit bragging. Hey, Hunter. Hey. Mr. Hotel himself. How do I sound on the hotel radio? But uh, I'm excited for that. I haven't stayed in a hotel in a while. Uh, But yeah. So everyone, have fun this weekend. Um, I'd tell you to be safe, but someone else will. Yeah. And you're going to be safe no matter what if you want to be. Mm. I don't think anyone's ever listened to Listen a request to, to be advice. safe. Oh, whoops. Whoops. <laughs> Hold on. I was about to do something Let me put stupid. this gas can away. <laughs> uh, good point. Um, so this week, this is personal. Um, well, the past month – Plus, I haven't had a car. My car uh, is done for. And um, I've been taking the shuttle to work to get to the station here. And the shuttle works pretty well. But uh, 
it's still extremely hard to get groceries or uh, go places that aren't Chaska, Chanhassen, Eden Prairie. And uh, yeah, and I know that it kind of stops running near your and the end of your shift during the yeah, weekdays because mm-hmm. you're always oh I gotta go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, it, it does work. I mean, I was content with the situation, but uh, I just got a car, so I no longer have to deal with that. And uh, I, uh, Mr. Wheels himself, Mr. Wheels himself, and I got a sweet looking car. That was the most important part to me. Well, and mm-hmm. being cheap, it had to be cheap and sweet looking. And I accomplish both. I am a mission accomplisher. Uh, it but, doesn't drive, but you can push it and kind of roll it in neutral really quick. Uh, but so what I was thinking, though, is um, like when my car got wrecked, uh, I, like obviously I got really upset and depressed. And it's like uh, I'm not in a position where I can handle major financial burdens very well. Like it really drastically alters my life uh, and – uh, but rather than getting in a huge pity party for myself in the situation I was in, I tried to shift my head around. And um, before the show started, uh, Eric, you talked about how sometimes you're able to cheer yourself up by thinking of worst case scenarios, like yeah, that's how I do it. Losing appendages and that, and it can uh, always be worse. Yeah. So the, like during the past month or two, I. I sincerely was just looking at uh, gratitude in my life and uh, it kept my mood just stable throughout the, the the whole process and it also allowed me to not make a stupid decision just out of panic of being in a bad situation. I'm like uh, having to buy a car and uh, the anxiety of going with that. Uh, so the right situation ended up just uh, presenting itself and it just – uh, the saying of patience is a virtue, it made sense to me this week. Absolutely. I think a lot of times if you rush things, mm-hmm. you can get into situations you don't want to be in where oftentimes opportunities will present themselves if you just kind of lay yeah. back in the cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, be ready to seize them when they come. But uh, that's I, I know what it's like to start making decisions out of panic and it usually – doesn't lead to good things. Like when you've just forced things to work because uh, you're you're nervous, uh, you're doing it out of fear. That can really lead you down to some further consequences. Uh, so, yeah, kind of just letting life present itself because life's always going to throw curveballs at you. Because immediately after I uh, got this car, thought I fixed my problems. Now I can't walk. Yeah. I got Before when you were thinking, well, at least I can still walk around yes, fine. That's what's ironic. So I literally now have a limp that just started last night. I had to go to urgent care today. Uh, but I'm walking around with a cane and crutches now uh, the day I get the car. So it's like, well, one new way to get around, losing an old way. <laughs> Gain the macro and lose the micro. Yeah, but uh, that is funny and it's just uh, – Life really does throw you a curveball when you least expect it. As soon as you tackle one of life's challenges, there's a brand new one that you had no idea, didn't see coming from anywhere. Sometimes imagined. I know I have that sometimes where, like, was this always a problem or am I just realizing now because I've dealt with other yeah. things? 
where in your instance, it's 100% (laughs) not related. Uh I know what you mean with that, though. Uh, But yeah, interesting week, to say the least. Um, Now, I know you listened to this. Uh, Sam Cedar was on Chapo Trap House this week on their premium episodes, uh, and he talked about Air America for the full hour with Virgil, Texas, who Virgil, Texas, hosted Chapel Trap House. Uh, he's going to be coming on this show fairly soon. So okay. look out for that. All right. I was thinking about doxing them because I didn't hear us mentioned in that show. Yeah, disappointing. They did mention us at the Chapel Trap House live show when they were here in Minneapolis, which made the episode. But yeah, I was disappointed too because we had all the boys from the show here in studio when they were in Minneapolis, and they knew we were a former Air America affiliate, um, but they didn't mention it during this show. Disappointing. That was a very interesting podcast. I learned a lot about Mm -hmm. Air America that I wasn't even aware of. Yeah, and Sam Cedar was a great person to tell the story uh, because he's been involved the whole time, but he's also uh, seen a lot of the rocky roads and not gotten, like, cynical about it mm-hmm. where some he people seems to have get... a sense of humor about the yes, origins yes um because the origins of it are very funny once you take a step back of a man claiming that he has some life-threatening illness finds out he's just been making it all up and that's an excuse to not pay anyone yeah uh, <laughs> and he got away with it for like a half a year uh but yeah that was a big problem with uh air america's business model is that it was founded on Lies of one of the main investors and runners of the national project. And also it pointed out that the ratings were not an issue for why it ended up closing. No. It was just because it was continually mismanaged. And if you go upstairs here, actually, we've got uh, on the wall some of the um, ratings where it's showing Al Franken being beating Rush Limbaugh and being the number one show in the country at that time. So, yeah, Air America, um, ratings-wise, they did – do fantastic considering too that they were on less powerful stations than like their counterparts. Yeah, because once you have the materials required to produce a radio show or any sort of, mm-hmm. sort of audio recording, it's not expensive. No, but yeah, uh, yeah. Once you have the the machine yeah, going, obviously it's... to build a radio station is relatively expensive. Yes, but I think they were just leasing out radio stations or well, something along those lines. So it was different. Uh, each network was different, but their content was the same. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like for ours, uh, Janet Robert, uh, she was the the founder of AM nine fifty and picked up the the format of Air America. Um, but so she would run. Her business a certain way, yeah. and uh, Air America was basically like a, a franchise, exactly. Of radio so you would get the ad time to sell, and then you would have some slots available for local programming. But you had to agree to carry the entire Air America network, uh, so you but couldn't all... pick and choose certain shows you wanted mm-hmm. to do. So it was a big commitment to run this programming, which is very impressive that they then transitioned into just local broadcasts and some syndicated stuff for our station yeah because mm-hmm. that was you have to because most didn't design a radio station overnight mm-hmm. that is uh impressive about am 950 here because most of the air america affiliated stations they when air america went down they dropped the format completely and mm-hmm. never came back uh so uh we here we kept it um focused on local shows gave some of those 
uh, people like Tom Hartman uh, and Ed Schultz. Afterwards. Sam Cedar has one too. Yeah, Sam Cedar's on the uh, the weekend, but yeah, uh, managed to keep it going. And then, um, like I gave a, a talk a while back on how left wing media is rising right now, and I mean, a lot of it has to do with Donald Trump being president, but also there has been kind of a starvation of left-wing content for a long time in this country, whereas 2004, when Air America started, was really the first buddings of any sort of left-wing content. Like Al Franken had a book or two, Michael Moore had some books and movies, and then The Daily Show started getting popular, but that was all at that time. And uh, before that, there, there was just There were not regular like voices mm-hmm. on the air who were dissenting with Iraq or things of that nature. And I remember some of the um, – I mean Bill Maher during his – I think it was an NBC show. I might yeah, be wrong po- about what station Politically incorrect. It was on ABC, yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah, I mean he lost his show for mm-hmm. – I can't think – It was – I think he said the terrorists were not cowards or something along those lines. Just yeah, being pedantic. Yeah. It was, but it was something re- very minor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It was It was nothing. And uh, he they fired him immediately for that. And at that time, uh, Bill Maher wasn't as, like, affiliated with the Democratic Party as he is today. He called himself a libertarian. He was still, like, a more of a liberal, but um, was a – saw himself as Like a personal liberty rather, guy? Yeah. Um, where uh, he he at that time would still vote for Republicans, and the Republicans hadn't completed their far right takeover yet, so uh, there were still reasonable Republicans in the the party. So it it makes sense, but uh, any sort of left wing content, uh, it, it was just virtually non existent for decades. You didn't uh, hear any sort of non pro-Iraq war, Afghanistan war voices in the media. Oh, no, no. Yeah. It was and the complete war, consensus. Uh, that was what made it really apparent uh, was having to sit through all of that and uh, just the the force-fed patriotism to support this unjust war. Uh, it, was, it was extremely frustrating. It's definitely what got me into all this though was uh, observing all of that and saying to myself, this isn't right. Mm-hmm. I think that the thing that awoke my interest in politics more than anything was just uh, seeing the Abu Ghraib pictures mm-hmm. and just thinking like, oh, are we the good guys? Why are the good guys doing yeah. this? Mm-hmm. And from there, it kind of spirals. Yeah. And then, I mean, you have the same thought too with the, the Star Wars movies uh, that when you watch them – you go, wait, America, aren't we the bad guys in these movies? And then the Rebel Alliance is the ones we're fighting? Yeah, especially with all the trade war stuff. Who knows what's going on there? But the um, – the, what was the second movie? Rogue One. That one was where it's really apparent because all the uh, people on the – the rebels are actual terrorists. Or at least that's how they're described by these people. Mm -hmm. Then there's an all-powerful First Order. or No, it wasn't First Order. It was the Empire then. But yeah, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah. So uh, look look out for Virgil coming on Mission Accomplishers. That will be happening 
within the next couple weeks. And uh, we got some other special guests that uh, stay tuned for. Yeah, we'll have to sit down and schedule that stuff out because there's a couple people we've talked to and promised. Mm -hmm. And we're looking to have more guests on the show. Mm -hmm. Just because me and Hunter's conversations are usually too good. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard of a lot of accidents as a result. We we don't want to... Spoil this for you guys. I mean, this is uh, a treat. This no is one else candy. can live up to this. So, I mean, we got to play fair. We got to handicap the rest of the shows. You can use that word now. <laughs> Low blow. Oh, now, Eric, do you have any role models, or did you growing up? I always struggled with this question in school. Because during class, they would always say, well, draw a picture of your hero, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And I never knew who to say because I don't know if I have any role models. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some I, people don't. Have, my entire life kind of went through, well, every person is fallible. We all have our issues. There's people I am impressed by. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say there's anyone who I model myself after. I mean my father is a great like representative of masculinity. Mm-hmm. But I never used to describe him as my hero. Mm. See, I've always had role models. Oh, like, yeah. You're a role model guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have lots of them and they, they change throughout life. But they all hold dear to my heart. Like they uh, um, they were special to me at a certain time in my life and then I can always look back and know what that represented. But, yeah, I definitely am from a different school of thought and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's uh, that I can look to the good in them and then try and model my own life from an actual human example. Um, Mine is probably narcissism where it's just like, well, I could be that good at basketball if I just played as much as Michael Jordan. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I – and I really like characters. I like individuals. I, I, I just – Find people interesting who are different, um, and it just uh, I don't know, fascinates me. I get behind them. Mm-hmm. I always found the uh, concept of personal identity is kind of a sham. We're just some constantly changing, morphing collection of characteristics where I found like trying to model yourself after that didn't make sense to me. Now, but there clearly are individuals. Sure. But is, is – who is that individual? Is it the idealization of that individual? Is it them in their personal life? And is it them on this day or this day? Mm-hmm. Well, that's just I mean, kind of you what, can dissect it to that, but I that's, mean, and that's what I always did. Yeah, I never knew how to. But I'm interested. That's what I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because I mean, there are definitely people who stand out from the crowd and then represent ideas or things uh, mm-hmm. better than others. Yeah, and that's what I wondered is what you choose that representation as the person you're modeling yourself after or is it all these other aspects of their personality? So I'll give you a, um, one example of a role model. Um, like four or five years ago, um, I read Benjamin Franklin's autobiography and – what I liked about it is he he devoted his life to uh, trying to 
live a life of virtue and he uh, tried to make a big portion of his autobiography as almost a guide but it just him explaining how he did this and he carried a book around with him and he had oh like jordan uh, peterson not like jordan peterson <laughs> uh maybe i hope not but uh he, he carried a book with uh he had eight virtues and he'd make a a check mark next i guess this is kind of 12 jordan rules peterson. of life yeah uh no, but I don't think anyone's issue with Jordan Peterson is that he has yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. personal virtue. <laughs> but yeah, as I continued, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Um, but uh, the he concluded that it's impossible to live a complete life of virtue, but striving for it, you do make grounds. Um, but then also reading in his book all the things he accomplished and like bettered himself – by doing this, mm-hmm. it was really interesting, and it makes you want to strive for more within yourself. Okay. I can see that, I guess. Because, I mean, he was just uh, – for accomplishments, there's like no other American man compared to Benjamin Franklin. I mean, there there are people, uh, but he's definitely just one of the most impressive people in multiple areas of life that yeah. are unrelated. There are definitely people who I'm impressed by mm-hmm. who I would – Maybe are my role models. I just don't know it, but I don't really try to live the way they lived. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger is an incredibly impressive person mm-hmm. who moves to a different country, becomes a bodybuilder, no, becomes right. an action movie star, barely intelligible, marries mm-hmm. like the royal family of America, and becomes governor of the biggest state. Then let me ask you: How do you make improvements in your life? Like, how do you go about? You can't improve on perfect. No, I don't know. I just look at what the issues I have with myself are and try to kind of reason out a way to improve that. Hmm. Um, but, I mean, and you think that works for you? I'm not putting it down. I'm no, just, no, I'm just no. Asking. I'm, yeah, I think that it does work. Whenever I've made a solid effort to do that, I have succeeded. And then where do you uh, – like where do you get your moral compass? Where do you get your what's important? How do you figure that part out? Like what to strive for, me, for? For me, it's always been kind of self-evident. It is you know something I can reason through. Um, I grew up within Christianity and I th- that may have impacted a lot of how I view the world. Mm-hmm. It kind of laid a foundation for my – beliefs i think it's just you know you should strive to help other people and do as much as you can not to hurt other people um and where's the motivation come though because i could well here's what i'm curious about is it seems so easy to get off task with that because there's nothing that you, you personally don't have any like single Thing pulling you to a center, mm-hmm. like and I, so I, 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 I like, don't I know like how the idea that formulate. I don't have a center. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a constantly and I'm not, shifting. I'm not, I'm not putting it down. I'm just no, trying no, to I'm figure not, it out. I don't out. think that you are. I think that it's a constantly shifting set of values that have an area where they center around, mm-hmm. but it's not final. Yeah, it's it, always work. It's always moving towards something. Because for me. Uh, I like principles and like kind of a a broad overview mm-hmm. and uh 
any given situation, I can look at how do you act. Like if you're living under these principles, how would you act in this situation? And it's just quick, easy, fast to make decisions. Um, I've always but, been a pretty um, introspective person, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's just natural for me to question these things and think about them a lot no matter what. And the the like you should help other people like we all have that but yeah. then it goes to various lengths with – And obviously every, most people think that they're helping other people, mm-hmm. issues like that. I think that if you can – it's hard to really put it to words but I think that the more you can build up other people's ability to realize their goals – and this is why better, I as think, long as those goals don't mean impeding other people. So, like, I don't personally believe in karma per se, but the idea behind it, I one hundred percent devote my life to it. It's just I'm going to articulate it a different way. That uh, the reason you help other people's is being of service to others is like uh, one of the main primary purposes of one's life and it's yeah. how you will find meaning in yourself it's even if you uh don't necessarily want to do it at that moment that there's something bigger that's telling you oh no you have to because this is how you live yeah i imagine there's a biological component to it wanting to help out others of our species wanting mm-hmm. to help out any sort of life yeah all right interesting uh, i i was curious about you now, so in media, we got TV, movies, books, radio, newspaper, music. Those are kind of comic main, books. Main media, comic books. They dominate all. They are the new Howard Stern, the king of all media. Comics. Um, but Fortune y- cookie paper. So it's interesting that like TV, movies, books, even magazines. Not magazines. Okay, where, what are you going with this? So some media they're they're holding up fine and not really being affected by the changes in okay. technology and that. Whereas other media is completely getting like forgotten about, left behind, and um, just not adapting. We're unsure how some of these things will even adapt, like music and newspapers. Mm-hmm. I think in a lot of those cases. Something else is stepping in in their place that does a better job of easily transmitting that information. But I mean, movies have it with Netflix. So then, but movies are still a profitable venture. Like, but Netflix is movies. Are you talking about movie theaters? No, I'm just talking about. Um, I guess I'm talking broadly. Music, just like there's no music for artists. There's no or money for artists, money for producers, just people involved. It's not a lucrative career. Newspapers, same way, not. Uh, lucrative at this time, whereas mm-hmm. TV movies, they're still hanging on like they always have been. Yeah, and that's probably an element of how many people need to be involved in the creation of that, right? Making music nowadays is very easy for an individual to do with some wherewithal and ability to suss out you know, mm-hmm. the techniques. Well, I think it has more to do with that music was just – the right file size to be kind of uh, pirated at such a big level that it became normal, whereas people don't have that association with movies as much. People yeah, still but pay music can, I mean, for um, – File size is pretty variable. For, But people 
they are much more willing to pay for movies that they want in a way they don't for music. Yeah, I think music is seen as more disposable, maybe, mm-hmm. where you can hear it on the radio for free. And, movies are usually an event. Um, uh, with it's uh, it's it's unfortunate because uh, well, music is not even that big a part of my life anymore, and it used to be the most important part. Um, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that's the case. I mean, some of it has to do with I just wanted to move on from it being such a big part of my life. Um, but it's also just kind of to be involved professionally in music is a sad, depressing landscape. Yeah, it's constant examples of failure Yeah, unless you were Jay-Z or Beyonce. And even those people you hear horror stories about, like people who achieve everything you strive for and then you observe them and it's like, that's what I'm trying to become they're miserable <laughs> uh so i just radio personalities the shining I, beacon of happiness i love it you can come up with new ideas every day and just flesh them out uh but i mean with music and newspapers though those are such important cultural things one to be aware and then one to have uh mm-hmm. and newspapers i mean it's the medium by which it's delivered it's not like news is going away. It's not like articles are going away. So now, the, there's an argument about the quality of that reporting, uh-huh. but I don't think that the the medium by which it's delivered, let's say a newspaper, is not necessary to the newspaper's information. No, of course not. Um, it, it's just that, that they were the uh, institutions, and now we're finding like it's kind of a strange transfer time to who are the new purveyors of news. But that goes perfectly into my other point of it's amazing the power of tabloids, how even like this new media landscape, like we have YouTube now, which you could put videos of absolutely anything. You could create videos of just anything. It's just wide open and it will get broadcasted. But what succeeds on YouTube is tabloid youtube drama about yeah. other youtubers it's like that's just instantly where we go naturally it's like we have this uh thing that we could innovate so far create like uh entirely new ideas of networks and ways to consume media but we just get into a, a new place to flesh out gossip mm-hmm. yeah that's, going back to i think there's probably a biological component to yeah. you know this our human brains are evolved for society where we might see 200 different people in our entire lives mm-hmm. and now we see thousands every single day mm-hmm. so it's kind of comfortable for people to be oh i know that youtuber and they're saying yeah. the mean thing to the other one <laughs> they're my friends yeah uh, i uh, but god that it, i just gonna i just uh, i don't even know what to say about it it's i mean like, if you put a, a like a spread of food and there's broccoli and candy and cookies and salad uh-huh. People are going to go after that cookie. And okay, but cookies—they have a—they're more important to survival because if you're starving, mm-hmm. a cookie is going to keep you alive longer than broccoli is. And that's but, why historically it was good for people to go after sweets and sugars and fats stuff like but that. Does that apply to tabloid so. YouTube's? It, that, it's, it appeals to the part of your brain that is immediate right, social yeah. connection, like a small social yeah, circle. Yeah, that's it. Nice. Um, yeah, and with just 
this generation getting more and more isolated and just how lonely young people are, uh, that is very powerful. Um, but it's like, are we destined to this or is there going to be another swing of the pendulum where yeah, everything it's interesting changes? Society will change in a major way on the realization of you know all our habits are based on these things that are not healthy for us. Mm-hmm. Because I, our behavior is based around a time that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I kind of think that there will be some sort of massive change. I don't uh, know how that would happen, though. Well, we never do. I mean, things always are. Yeah. You don't realize till you have hindsight I guess how I, it happens. I guess I mean in the terms of like there's just going to be some sort of but, thought, philosophical switch or if it's going to go down to maybe we need to – literally reprogram our brains. Well, I mean, no one would have been able to predict it, that vinyl records would be the best-selling format uh, of music yeah, from the 90s. And now it's the case. Like, that would never... No one... That would be the longest long shot if you were betting on what was going to happen. Um, so... But what I think is just, like, when we uh, talked about malls a few months ago uh, and them being kind of like the town squares and... Um, gathering places where we've lost that basically now. There's uh, very few, far less outlets for just a a town center meeting people, uh, a second home-like social environment place. I think we're going to see some sort of move towards that idea again. A healthier perspective on society. Yeah, and I think it will influence widely of all these other media Outlets, and I don't know how it's going to happen. I mean, that's the thing about predicting the future is uh, pe- humans are very bad at predicting the future. Uh, there's like no one human who uh, has it down. It's just something yeah. we're very poor at doing. It's kind of. It, are you familiar with the Donald Rumsfeld quote where there's no knowns, there's known unknowns, and there's unknown unknowns? Yeah, he got kind of. You know, raked over the coals for that. Like, oh, this is nonsense. But it makes total sense if you think about it. There's questions that we don't even know we should ask. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of times when you're trying to predict the future, we can't even anticipate the, yeah. what is going to be like what's coming next because mm-hmm. it's something we haven't even – it's a new classification of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I kind of – I have a feeling that uh, a major shift – in culture in the near future will be dealing with the the isolation and loneliness because I don't think that this is a sustainable way for humans to live. Yeah, I don't know. Very few people thrive in an environment like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, so this is kind of going back, but it's funny. Do you ever watch movies from like the 80s that are trying to depict sci-fi yeah. future? Yeah. And just things where you're just scratching your head. Like, why would they think that we would do that? <laughs> I remember, I think it's Blade Run. It's not Blade Runner. It might be uh, Marathon Man, where he's driving in a car, and there's two TVs side by side displaying the same information. Mm-hmm. And you just question, why do they need two of them? <laughs> just make one bigger one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. They figured out a way to zoom in each eye individually in the future. Maybe that's the idea. <laughs> You, in the future, you can control the movement of each eye and see two different images. Yeah, I, I'd love to pull up. I, I read some study a long time ago about just humans being so bad at predicting the future. I'd love to read that and 
talk about that again because it was really interesting that, that there's just like there are no profits like humans yeah. they're, they're, and when they're, no one has that skill even when someone pretends like they have it or mm-hmm. you know you look at Nostradamus or someone like that you have to have some pretty vague descriptions of the future that people are like, oh there's going to be a burning tower yeah yeah and I, I I only care more in a practical way just curiosity of what the future is going to yeah. look like I think that like uh, certain sci-fi writers have had Ideas that come very close to it, like Isaac Asimov, but, uh, uh, certain things in Star Trek. Conspiracy theorists, David Icke. I think conspiracy theorists are probably the worst at it. <laughs> well, he had a bunch come true, though. Yeah, but is this a very like weird trans like understanding yeah, right. or interpretation? Uh, I don't know specifically, but I know that that's how he got uh, big again uh, recently is he has all these books of things that like came – True, like, and they were fairly specific things. Interesting. The other, the uh, along those lines, uh, what always fascinated me was Alan Berg, I believe his name was, uh, but a radio broadcaster who the in July two thousand one he said there's going to be a terrorist attack and they're going to blame it on Osama bin Laden, and then nine eleven happened three months later, and. Uh, Two months after 9-11, he was found shot dead by the police in his apartment. And it's just like, man, that is yeah. weird stuff. No, when you really look into conspiracy theories and you give them like a certain level of patience mm-hmm. and understanding about why someone else believes it, there's a lot of stuff where you go, oh, well, that's weird. Yeah. You know, coincidences do happen, but to be un, like impatient with people who – Accept those things, I think, is wrong. And uh, it's some conspiracy theories, like, they don't hold much weight to me, but I go, like, yeah, I want to believe that. That'd be cool if it was true, but then that's as far as it goes. And so uh, my entertainment is just watching people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I have no stake in it. I don't really care. But it's like, yeah, that would be interesting if there were reptilians living in the center of the world. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. Hollow Earth Theory is a good one. Yeah. Uh, my personal favorite that I've seen recently was the Mega Tree Mega Tree. Basically that all these oh, geological yeah. uh, plateaus are actually the stumps of giant trees. And yeah. it's not really a community. It's a single guy on YouTube who takes That's... pictures of them. Just look. It's clear. What more do you need? Yeah. <laughs> um... My uh, most believable conspiracy theory is that the Titanic was actually its sister ship, the Olympian. So I looked into this when you Uh described it, and the notorious video that shows, you know, the Olympian written on the side of the ship underwater Uh is not real. What do you mean it's not real? According to Snopes, it was a digitally altered video. Okay, I haven't seen that, but regardless, that isn't even the 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 biggest uh, smoking gun of it. It's all the important people who uh, hours before leaving canceled their flight or their trip, and all these uh, the the ship was virtually empty for how important of a maiden voyage it was. Hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, Read this and there was so much, pretty... There's just so many, so much incentive for them to do that. No, but... you understand the incentive. It's weird when there's conspiracy theories 
And you're going, why, why, why would, would anyone they do, that? do that? Yeah. Why would they make pentagrams in the DC streets? Yeah. See, this one just makes a lot of sense, especially at that time, like the uh, early 1900s with business and corruption. Like this would be such an easy thing to do and cover up. That's why I think that there's – my conspiracy theory I believe is kind of that there's been more covered up in the Pat Tillman story than the media has let on. All or right. not the media but the government has allowed out. Mm-hmm. Because initially the conspiracy theory was kind of proven true. The government did say he died, died of enemy combatants. His family made a huge mess of it, uh, used the Freedom of Information Act and uncovered stuff that there was a cover-up to make it look like – it was not a friendly fire accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, you got me convinced on that. That's uh, – you don't hear about that one much though. Which is weird. Yeah. I feel like there's not enough conspiracy theorists who are just not outright insane. Yeah. And there probably they want are. The, but the they're... most ridiculous things. They don't – once there is truth established, they abandon it. <laughs> yeah. And I think there probably are people like that, but – when the media wants someone on, they want, oh, we want a kooky character. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, that's who rise to prominence in these roles. But Jesse Ventura, he was a lead conspiracy figure for a while. Yeah. Have you, did you ever watch his show? Uh, Jesse yeah. Ventura I, questions. I, it didn't – it was a bad show. Yeah. I, but there's a very funny clip of him knocking on the door of a hangar saying, I was the governor of Minnesota. Let me in. And it's just in the middle of a airbase in a hangar. There's no one around. There's probably no one behind this door. He's banging on it. Oh, Jesse. Yeah, he was good for that role. I'm surprised Jesse and Alex Jones never were friends. Like before Alex Jones kind of went off the rails, those two seem like they'd be a good match. They're two – they're the identical person yeah. where they just, I think, would butt heads constantly. Yeah. It's kind of like when I saw Chris. You're right. They're too similar to make it work. When Chris Bannon was in the White House for a couple months, mm-hmm. I just knew that wouldn't last. Yeah. They're two egomaniacs, just gross yeah. old fat men That's, who are just going to smash heads. Pence was the perfect VP for Trump because he's just quiet and polite and like mm-hmm. there's no conflict between the two of them because he just lets him – do whatever and then uh i don't know what pence does do you think he is sneaky in this white house i don't know like dick cheney obviously was is pence masterminding something and we're just not paying attention to it i don't know he's probably going to like uh pray the gay away conventions and stuff like that man we gotta look into pence a bit more Mm -hmm. i don't think that donald trump would give him any power yeah but uh you just have to know how to That's true. Pull he strings. probably do a lot of stuff behind his back. Yeah. I mean, do you think Donald Trump doesn't uh, keep tabs closely on people? No. It's just, he just reacts. So uh, I, wonder, I wonder what Pence has been up to. All right. Uh, let's end it here. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, y'all. And as always, remember, prosecute the Bush administration for war crimes. We're coming for you bastards. Whether long-range weapon or suicide bomb, a wicked mind is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether your solar wave sun or BBC One, this information is a weapon of mass destruction. You could a Caucasian or a poor Asian. Racism is a weapon of mass destruction. Whether inflation or globalization, fear is a weapon of mass destruction. My dad came home.
And now a special Memorial Day message from former governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura. When I look at the United States being turned into East Berlin, it is not the country that I served when I was in the military. And let me, let me say this for a moment. For those that doubt whether I have the right to say what I say, my father was a World War II veteran. My mother was a World War II veteran. How many people can say their mom served as a nurse in North Africa? My brother's a Vietnam veteran as am I. So I think my family has earned the right to speak in what's supposed to be a free country. They gave the president the right to wiretap you, read your emails, and do all of that stuff. It's called illegal search and seizure. Just as the First Amendment gives us the right to free speech. Well, let's remember this. It isn't popular speech that must be protected. Popular speech doesn't need protection. It is unpopular speech that you protect. Now, I think it's time you get the whole story. Now, 
Jesse goes back to the future. This is the deepest, darkest state secret that the United States possesses. To investigate a conspiracy that stops the clock. You're talking to me here like H.G. Wells in the time machine. 